The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. It is Rivalry Wednesday here on the show. We've got so much to talk about when it comes to Auburn's biggest rivals and, of course, talking about Auburn as well. Uh, just a lot going on in the news today uh, Auburn basketball game day as the Tigers taking on UNC Asheville up in Huntsville tonight so we'll be talking about that game today uh, we'll be talking that we'll be talking some other news around Auburn basketball that's not as pleasant uh, that's been in in circulation over the last couple of hours plus we'll talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 get caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs uh, football and basketball talk about whether Kirby Smart and Georgia are a little worried that uh, their top commit may be heading to uh, the great state of Nebraska. And I said that in quotations. We'll talk about that with Jordan Hill coming up in a little bit today. And Austin Hannon of Bama Central. We'll talk to him about Mr. Ryan Williams and see what the feeling is in Tuscaloosa right now. So great show on tap for you today. Uncle T-Bone, happy Wednesday, brother. Hope all is well. Yeah, happy Wednesday to you. Big basketball game tonight for our Auburn Tigers versus UNC Asheville, 7 o'clock in the Avon Braun Center up in uh, Huntsville. Yeah. That'll be very exciting. Uh, a complete sellout from what I've been told mm -hmm. and tickets going for uh, – Pretty good buku money on the uh, secondary market. We'll be following that up with one of the most exciting basketball games and environments probably coming this year in Auburn at Neville Arena Sunday when Bronny James yeah. and USC come to town. So a lot of great things happening in basketball, but not according to USA Today Sports. No, not according to them. And that's where we are going to start the show today. The biggest news going on right now. And we want to get your thoughts on that or anything else here on the show today outside of our wonderful guests. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to us. 334 -321. 321-1390. We want to talk a little bit, but we want to get you here on the show as well. And if you are unfamiliar with what we are referencing, let us get you caught up. How about that? Earlier today on USA Today from Dan Wolken, who is a very common, very well-known, popular writer for USA Today, this article was published at 7.02 a.m. Eastern Time, so 6.02 local time here in Auburn. It was posted today on December 13th, and the title is Secret Filming in Sports Isn't Limited to Football. It's Just Hard to Prove. This is a 10-part series basically that revolves around cheating in sports, and this particular instance is in the college 
level. And uh, it starts out by mentioning the Michigan football sign-stealing stuff that happened, which we know was a massive deal in college football that led to Jim Harbaugh getting a second suspension this season. But here's where it starts to get juicy. And it's not a good thing. And Auburn fans are upset about it right now. I'm going to read directly from the article from Dan Wolken on USA Today. And you can look it up. Go literally just type in Dan Wolken Auburn, and it'll be the first thing to pop up on your search engine. From the article itself, it says, There was a situation in the SEC fairly recently when accusations of spying were well known within the league. After speculation had run through the coaching fraternity that one of the league's men's basketball programs was using a secret camera in its arena to film opponents' practices, the topic was brought into the open at a men's basketball coaches meeting following the 2017-2018 season, according to three people with direct knowledge of the situation. Those people spoke to USA Today Sports on the condition of anonymity, uh, and hopefully I said that right, because they were not... Close enough. Yeah, close enough. Because they were not authorized to publicly discuss the meeting. Let me say that sentence again. This is directly from the article, okay? Those people spoke... According to three people with direct knowledge of the situation, those people spoke to USA Today Sports on the condition of wanting to be anonymous because they were not authorized to publicly discuss the meeting. Okay, I'm still reading from the article here. An SEC spokesperson confirmed to USA Today Sports that the conversation took place in 2018 after the SEC office was, quote, made aware of general concerns about video cameras in basketball arenas related to visiting teams' practices. Okay, I'm going to skip down a little bit. The SEC did not name the institution, but according to six people affiliated with different SEC programs, Auburn was the team at the center of the spying allegations. With head coach Bruce Pearl in the room, however, nobody wanted to stand up and point the finger directly. During a tense moment, according to those people with knowledge of the meeting, then-South Carolina coach Frank Martin implored his colleagues to stop with anonymous sniping and say what they wanted to say. And nobody did it. That is what we are talking about today, Uncle T-Bone. We will reference this article and bring up a lot of those words and sentences and comments as we go, but your initial thoughts on this article from Dan Wolken this morning at USA Today Sports claiming that Auburn and Bruce Pearl were filming visitors' practices inside of what was Auburn Arena at the time and now Neville Arena. Yeah, in 2017 and 18 of that season when Auburn uh, rose up and won the uh, regular season, season title in the SEC, I believe, uh, the year that Macklemore broke his leg in the last game, I think at South Carolina, but I have to get my uh, year straight on that. It's been a while. Uh, it's a hatchet piece. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. This is ridiculous. Unnamed sources, uncorroborated accusations. No one will go on the record. Uh, quotes like the SEC wanted someone to turn them in so they could put a name behind the accusation. Said one person who was in the room at the time. Nobody would do it. And it goes on to say, plus... Proof was scant. There was no Connor Stallions type smoking gun of wrongdoing. The SEC typically prefers to keep such family squabbles in house. Look, we're talking about something, if it even did happen, was about six years ago now. 
and we're trying to tie this into the cheating scandal or so-called scandal and an investigation at Michigan from when they were sending people out to scout teams allegedly in person and videotape them for their benefit on future opponents. We're talking about six years ago, uncorroborated accusation. No one will go on record. It's just all around rumor mongering. That's all this article is. It's rumor mongering. It's yellow journalism. You can go back and look at the history of Dan Woken's Twitter account. He has a major beef with Bruce Pearl. He's never liked him. Quite frankly, Dan Woken is a proven liberal hack in politics. He cannot stand the fact that Bruce Pearl is on Twitter professing his Jewish faith and taking a more conservative stance politically in the backing of Israel over Hamas. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't really know where the genesis of this article started on the other side of the state because who would benefit more after a big Auburn win? It's clear that Auburn's got a championship possible caliber program, so we might as well stir it up and try and besmirch them. It's a hatchet job of yellow journalism. My biggest thing when I when I saw this this morning and when I read through the article and I start looking through different people's comments and reactions to this thing, um, the fact that this was seven years ago, I mean, this is six and seven years ago, Uncle T-Bone, that this was happening and these these concerns were brought up at the coaches meeting, at the yearly coaches meeting in 2017, 2018, following that season, that's when it was brought into the open. So does that mean they claim that it was happening before then or it was happening that season or what? And then you had people who spoke up at the meeting. Allegedly. Allegedly, who weren't willing, or I guess they spoke up and brought it to the attention during the meeting or before the meeting or whatever. Well, I don't think that they spoke up at the meeting because well, no I'm, one would right. speak up. Well, that's what I'm saying. So they brought it up somehow, some way to where it was then brought up during the meeting, right? They had they had conversations or had expressed their concerns before that coach's meeting. But when the meeting came to time in the SEC and Commissioner Sankey said, okay, what do you guys have? What do you want to say? Everybody sat there with their lips shut and sat on their hands because nobody had the courage or the proof that this was actually happening. And we have to talk about this in a allegedly situation because it could come out six months from now that this is true, right? And if that's the case, then that's a whole separate conversation. But from what we know right now, We have a bunch of people talking to the SEC seven years ago behind closed doors that got upset, right, that got frustrated with Auburn and raised concerns. And maybe they were legitimate and maybe they were not. But then when the time came for them to come together and apparently six of them have the same concern but none of them could stand up and tell Bruce Pearl that he did something wrong, I have a problem there. The other part... It's gutless. It is. And the other part is on on the side of USA Today where they're talking to all these people, but nobody wants to tie their name to the information they're giving. Why is that? Is it for their own protection, which in certain situations in journalism, I went through journalism school, you learn all this, and there are certain situations where, yeah, anonymous sources are necessary. Why is it necessary here? 
What are you protecting? There's nothing to protect yourself. You're not narking. You're not telling on somebody. If there's a coach who's cheating or a program that's cheating, people need to know. And you need to step up and tell the people that need to know, a.k.a. the SEC. What are you protecting here by talking to USA Today Sports and not putting your name to it? What that tells me is, again, you're gutless or you have no proof and you're trying to stir up some controversy and get guys like you and me upset on the radio. Oh, I think that that's all of the above. I don't think I could have said that any better, Jacob, and it's absolutely 100% fact what you just said. According to the article, the only other coach named in the article who had any guts to stand up and say something was Frank Martin, former head coach at the University of South Carolina. Apparently, Mm -hmm. I guess enough of these people were throwing around accusations that it it became kind of a a little chippy in the SEC SEC coaches' corners. um, You know, I I think that a lot of these people who, who, if they were really throwing around accusations, uh, were approaching the SEC privately. The word got out that somebody was trying to uh, – that there were some people accusing or going to accuse Auburn some of uh, of some nefarious activity at home during pregame warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And finally they get to the coaches' meeting, Frank Martin stands up, and he's a man. And, and it says, you know, according to the article, during a tense moment, according to those people with knowledge – again, there they are, those people with knowledge of the meeting – then South Carolina coach Frank Martin implored his colleagues to stop with the anonymous sniping, say what they wanted to say, and no one stood up. No one had the courage to say, hey, I feel like y'all were cheating us during our warm-ups inside then Auburn Arena, Coach Pearl. Let's ha- yeah, let's hash this out and have let's, a conversation. Yeah, let's hash this out. And so, you know, I read through this thing. I think one of the worst things – I can see in this article is is really where I found it, and that's over there on X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it, under this Dan Woken uh, hack or under his site. And there's the the picture of the column of the article has a uh, it has a link to it, and it has Bruce Pearl right there with former Baylor coach Dave Bliss. I mean, you talk about some yellow journalism trying to associate Bruce Pearl with a coach who got a 10-year show cause and banned from the NCAA because he tried to portray a dead player, a dead former player of his at New Mexico as a drug dealer to conceal the transactions of him paying him money and basically save his own skin. I mean, Dave Bliss is one of those characters one of those really nasty characters in NCAA history and coaching circles that will never really coach again because of how heinous he handled a bunch of stuff when he was at the coach of Baylor. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to put a picture of Bruce Pearl to the link to your column right next to him, like that they're the, they're the equivalent. Even if this had happened, that if you videotape some folks – before uh, during their shoot around to study them inside your arena, that that's that's tantamount to Dave Bliss and covering up the death and drug dealing or alleged drug dealing and accusations of a former player. This is a ridiculous article. It's it's filled with zero corroborations. It's got, I mean folks that probably aren't even near or in the SEC coaching anymore or in the SEC office. I went through and looked at the teams that played from the SEC 
in the 2017-18 schedule against Auburn. And, uh, you know, man, I, most of these people that were at, other than John Calipari, aren't even the coaches of who we played anymore. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot so, of coaching turnover since then. So, you know, I, I really have to question where this article, where the beginning of this article came from, the genesis of it, the gaslighting that's trying to occur here. I mean, that's basically what it is. And I, I, I because there's no way that this guy just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to go down to Auburn and do some investigative reporting. And, and, and I'm going to dig something up on Bruce Pearl. And, it, and, and what I dug up is that in 2017 and 18, there may or may not have been some coaches because no one will confirm it. It's all still rumor that Bruce Pearl's a, a cheater because he videotaped us. There's no way on earth that, that he just came up with this entire theory himself. Where did this story come from? And I bet we all know where it really started. We'll talk more about it when we come back. Got a couple of phone calls as well. 334-321-1390. We're off and running here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Daniel, thanks so much for holding on through the break, man. You're on the line with Jacob Goins and Uncle Tebow. Absolutely, absolutely. Gentlemen, I hope y'all are having a good day. We are, man. What's up? Well, I just got in the car right before the break, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing old uncle just go off. And, uh, <laughs> he was on one a second so- ago. So I was wondering what's going on. What are these? What are these? Uh, what's this article about? I mean, you can you can check it out at USA Today. Uh, an article came out this morning uh, by Dan Wilkin, basically accusing Bruce Pearl of uh, electronic um, surveillance of of opponents inside Old Auburn Arena, now Neville Arena. There, you know, in the SEC during they're in their warm-ups and their their practices before the games periodically uh excuse me i think that you know each team normally gets about 90 minutes practice before a game like the day before and and back in 17 and 18 you know a full six years ago six seasons ago uh usa today has dug up some story claiming that auburn was cheating and i'm not buying it (laughs) that's crazy I can't, I don't, I've never, I mean, that's just, and thinking about this, it kind of reminds me of the whole uh, Scott Drew situation at Baylor. Mm. Y'all remember uh, a little uh, Davion Mitchell transfer situation? Yeah, yeah, I do. That was, uh, that was a big deal uh, a few years back when, when he, the, uh, the could have been Auburn legend ended up playing for the Baylor Bears and ended up being a pretty darn good player. Absolutely. Seeing minutes every night for the Kings. Uh-huh. Uh, was it true that he came to Auburn, Scott Drew did, and uh, had multiple meals with him and really just spent a day, a day and a half with him and, and uh, really recruited him while he was on the Auburn team? I mean, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that type of stuff. And, you know, there's there's always going to be those things that fly around. And, and I'm – I'm not able to comment on those, whether it was true or not, because I don't fully know, and, and I'd rather not jump on that and say it did or didn't happen. But, look, I mean, here's the thing when it comes to college basketball. I've said this for years, Daniel. It's a dirty sport. 
It is. College basketball has been one of the dirtiest sports for a long, long time. And I hate that because I love college basketball. I do. But all of these scandals and all of these suspensions and all the recruiting violations, I mean, when the FBI starts getting involved, like we just saw with Will Wade at LSU and even with Bruce at Auburn and some assistant coaches here and, and other places at Arizona and Kansas, I mean, when you start getting the FBI involved in a college sport, things are bad. And that's not what's happening here. But just in general, it's just gotten out of hand at times. And again, this is something that the USA Today is talking about from six or seven years ago. But college basketball has been that way for a long, long time. Right. Do you think Auburn – why do you think Auburn has more of a target on their back in basketball than football? And I'll hang up. Appreciate the call, Daniel. 334-321-1390. I want to answer that, but I do want to get Shane in here quickly who's been holding on as well. Shane, what's on your mind, man? What are your thoughts here? Hey, uh, hey guys. Thanks for, thanks for taking me. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just uh, – this is just from some butthurt, butthurt teams that got beat by a team that they usually didn't get beat by. Auburn came from no, with nothing. I mean, you didn't worry about Auburn, you know, before Bruce got here. We weren't worried about Auburn in basketball at all. Bruce got here, changed a lot of things, and you got to make up some reasons why why we're good, you know, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a good one. And if anybody had any credible evidence or anything real to say, they would they would step up and say it instead of like, you know what, um, Commissioner, I think they're they're playing dirty because they keep beating us. It can't be it can't be like that. Yeah, you know. So, so it, it makes no. It, it, there's nothing. There's no validity to it because there's no, there's no um, nobody willing to step up. Correct. To say that there is. There's no facts. There's no proof. What's the actual proof? Let's just say I I said that. I said they did that. What's, what's your proof? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. Then you're just arguing. That's he said, or he said, or he said, she said, or whatever, right? I mean, that's that's. Yeah, you're gonna have to have a little bit more of an argument for me than hey, Auburn basketball used to not be very good, but they got one of the most exciting salespeople and best coaches in college basketball over the last. 20 years that just about any program would have been happy to have, especially the one across the state, because my friends over there were not happy when he came to Auburn, right? You're going to have to have a little bit more than, well, we used to just beat Auburn to death and they can't be good. Now they're good. They're cheating. You you saying that to me? To everybody. No, no, he's saying that like people. I'm saying that in general. That's what you're saying, Shane. That's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not not saying. uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have you know something other than than they used to beat us. I mean, we used to beat them easily. I, that's, I'm thinking it's, it's mainly Kentucky because mm. they're not used to losing to anybody. Now they right. lose to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a much level playing field now in college basketball. I'll tell you what, real quick, it's before we go to a break, Shane. Thank you so much for calling. Thanks so much, if Shane. Kentucky basketball is worried about Bruce Pearl then John Calipari is not the man for that big-time job. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people saying he's not the man for that job anymore. He's won one national championship, and it was 11 years ago. So Let me rephrase that. If anybody's worried about that, really, you're not man enough to be a head coach in the SEC in basketball. I like that. I like that. Shane, thanks so much, man. Great comments there. You're absolutely right. Daniel, we appreciate you calling in as well we got to take a sidestep from this conversation. A lot more to talk about with this and the game coming up tonight. But 
We're going to talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 to kick off Rivalry Wednesday here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into a heated hour number one on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, a rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And as I said, we'll take a sidestep from uh, the Auburn basketball stuff with all the the conversations going on there because it's Wednesday at 2.30, which means we get to welcome in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer who joins us for rivalry. Wednesday. Jordan, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you joining us on the show today, as always. Absolutely, yeah. Busy time of year, as you guys know quite well, but uh, always love taking some time to talk and uh, catch up. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. Lots of things on the football side, and I want to start just by getting a little uh, an update on the feeling around the Georgia football program with the coaches, the players that you've gotten to talk to, and then the fan base as well after. We've been a little over a week removed since the dogs missed out on the college football playoffs. So uh, if you can, the best that you can, give us kind of an update on how everybody's feeling right now in Athens, given that they're not going to the playoff, but they've had some time to kind of think about it. Yeah, I would say there's definitely disappointment. I think a lot of people thought this team had an opportunity to beat Alabama to finish uh, 13-0 and going into uh, the college football playoff. And Came up just short, you know. I think uh, fans, even after that loss, were still kind of holding out hope that maybe they could squeeze their way into the playoff. Uh, didn't happen. I think, and uh, now it's sort of wait and see mode. I think there are some people that are excited about the Orange Bowl just for the history involved with that game, playing an undefeated Florida State. But for a lot of people, and understandably so, the the attention sort of turned to the off season. What are these guys going to do? As far as the draft, are there any more players going to the transfer portal? What is Georgia going to do in the portal? I think from the players' perspective, and immediately, uh, admittedly, we haven't talked to any players since uh, the SEC championship game, but yeah. I think there is an excitement to go out there and try to win this game in Miami. Um, we haven't heard anything yet as far as opt-outs. I don't anticipate very many. Uh, I think a lot of these guys want to show up, um, spend a few days in Miami, play a really good Florida State team, and try to end what you know will ultimately be a little bit of a disappointing season, try to end it on a high note against the Seminoles. Jordan, uh, before we get into the offseason stuff on recruiting and uh, transfers out, transfers in, in the portal, uh, right after we spoke to you last week, it was leaked out the 2024 Georgia football schedule. And I'm looking over it right now, and I'm going to tell you, it's a doozy. Definitely. It's going to be tough. And, you know, getting ready to make sure that gets confirmed tonight uh, when the SEC announces that at 6 central time. Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, playing at Alabama in late September, turn around and you host Auburn, Mississippi State after that, and then go to Texas, which 
Hey, shout out to whoever made this schedule and put uh, Georgia at Texas the same weekend as a Formula One race in Austin. Right. I'm going to go ahead and send Greg Sankey my hotel bill because yeah. that, that's a little bit ridiculous. But no, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I've, I've wrote on our board and going to share some stuff tonight after everything is confirmed and the league announces the schedule. But it's going to be very tough for Georgia to go undefeated again in the regular season as they've done the last three. I don't think it's going to happen when you've got Al- at Alabama and at Texas. But on the positive side for Georgia, getting ready for a 12-team playoff, you don't have to go undefeated mm-hmm. to have a realistic shot at making the playoff. So it's going to be tough. You know, There's still a lot of questions on what Georgia's going to look like next year just because, again, we're waiting on a lot of draft decisions. But uh, to play at Alabama, to play at Texas, to open the season against Clemson in Atlanta, a Clemson team that I think has got a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be for the faint of heart. We are not going to have very many conversations about Georgia having a weak schedule uh, like we did during this football season. Yeah, and that's what was going to be my follow-up comment on that, Jordan, is if you ask me, it's kind of crazy and it's kind of a hot take, I guess, but for a team that just won back-to-back national championships and just missed out on the playoffs – I think it could benefit this Georgia program to be upping their schedule toughness a little bit because you saw them play in the SEC East this year and the playoff committee didn't really respect their undefeated resume in the regular season. And now they'll have a tougher schedule with some bigger opponents on it and maybe that'll help them in that 12-team playoff. Well, I think, too, you go in knowing that you don't really you know, have to face a small margin for error. You know, It was right. kind of... The, the way this season played out was about as bad as it could have for Georgia, just the fact that so many teams had good arguments to make the playoff. And, again, as I wrote about the day that the playoff was announced, I mean, they got left out, but they weren't even the team with the strongest case that did get left out, and that was Florida State, who they're going to be playing this Orange Bowl. But now when you look at the 12 team, obviously you, know, you can't take a lot of losses to make the 12 team. But I think it benefits you to play tough competition, one, because it gives you a strong resume, but two, it'll get you ready for these games down the stretch. I mean, you are going to be playing multiple games and playing really, really tough competition. So, yeah, I think it bodes well for Georgia. I'm sure that Kirby Smart, you know, probably would have said, okay, can we get a Vanderbilt on here? Can, can you guys give me at least one break in conference? But, uh, you know, you want these guys battle-tested if they're going to compete for a national championship. Georgia still thinks it's got that ability. They're going to have to prove it week after week next year if they're going to have a shot at it. Jordan, you've mentioned uh, and kind of alluded to what the team could look like next year for Kirby Smart and this Georgia football team. We'll get to recruiting. I'll let Uncle T-Bone to ask about recruiting in a second, but the transfer portal updates for Georgia, uh, guys that have left already or are announcing that they're leaving and, and guys that are coming in or could possibly be coming in, what can you tell us about the transfer portal tracker for the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart for the future? Yeah, right now a lot going out and not a ton as far as coming in. They haven't landed anyone officially from the portal. I think at last count, Georgia has had 13 guys go in. I think there's a few more than that, but walk-ons who really didn't play a ton. Uh, the two names of note to date who have left uh, would be quarterback Brock Vandegrift, who was the backup. He has already committed to Kentucky. Um, I think he's going to have a chance to start in Lexington. and Pretty significant loss uh, for Georgia especially if Carson Beck were to go pro. Uh, Based on what we've heard, I think Carson will be back, but he has not confirmed it. So losing Brock, definitely a very significant loss. And then one that uh, happened last night, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, a rising junior who uh, 
Florida State legacy. His dad was very good with the Seminoles uh, back in the day. And uh, he's a guy that uh, was playing more and more down the stretch of this season. I uh, was not starting, but playing significant snaps. A guy that was a former five-star. Pretty significant loss there. Georgia's going to have to get help uh, at edge, especially with Marvin Jones Jr. getting ready to leave. As far as the target, uh, London Humphreys is the most obvious one receiver from Vanderbilt. Uh, we put in some crystal balls over at Dogs 24-7. We think that the speedy Vanderbilt receiver is going to land at Georgia. That would be a big pickup for that receiving core. Besides that, you know, Trevor Etienne from Florida, a um, few other targets spread out here and there. Defensive line, I think they're going to try to bulk up a little bit there. Uh, definitely one of those watch-and-see moments that's sort of funny. Uh, can't really get a good read, really, other than London Humphreys, how soon some of these guys are going to make decisions. Uh, but I do think Georgia's going to be a little bit more active in the portal season than they have been in years past, and they're going to do their best to uh, really shore up this roster to make sure they're ready to compete next year. Yeah, Jordan, yours truly saw Marvin Shade Tree Jones play for Florida State with fellow linebacker Kirk Carruthers in 1990 inside Jordan-Hare Stadium on a Saturday night against the Auburn Tigers, and Auburn won very late on a last-second field goal. Heck of a football player he was in September 14th at Kentucky. You'll have to see Brock Vandergriff. That's brutal. Yeah, that makes yeah, that's what uh, I was telling some people on the board. I've already written three or four stories. I'm just going to shelf until that week because we already know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah. Brock Vandergriff going against – and, you know, I don't know it for sure yet, but that's probably going to be Brock's first SEC start. Whoa. And, uh, hey, good luck, kid. Remember yeah, those dogs will that, be barking. Yes, the defense that you went against in practice for a couple years, well, now you got to go against them. Something I'm not a big fan of is uh, transfers within a conference, but that's a different discussion for a different day. All right, next Wednesday, 1220, it's early signing day, but really and truly it's the de facto true signing day now in college football. The big story, not just for Georgia, but for all recruiting news, really broke early in the week. Dylan Riola, number one quarterback in the state of Georgia, number one quarterback um, – excuse me, number one player in the state of Georgia, number two quarterback in the country, 6'3", 220, been committed to Georgia forever, out of Buford, Georgia, five-star, can't-miss stud prospect, and now he may be going to Nebraska. What's up with that? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that, honestly, I don't think anybody saw coming. And, you know, we've tried over there on the junkyard over at Dodge 24-7 to kind of calm people down, but I do think that this – um, sort of materialized in these last few weeks, and I think it's a situation. You look at Dylan Riola for folks who haven't been following his recruitment or, or know much about him, a lot of Nebraska ties. His father, Dominic, was a center for Nebraska. I believe that was the late 90s, early 2000s. Actually won the Remington and wound up uh, playing in the NFL for quite a while. Uh, Dylan's uncle, Donovan, is the offensive line coach at Nebraska, and uh, he recently signed an extension, and I do wonder if that Kind of helped out knowing that you know his his family was going to be on staff and knowing that he could have a chance to play there. But yeah, did he uh, get a raise and a big one? He got a pretty significant <laughs> raise. Now, if that had anything to do with Dylan, I, I can't. Say I'm sure there's nothing to do with that, man. De- definitely not. Definitely not. But no, it's it's going to be a significant loss. You know, it, it's funny talking about this. He's still a Georgia commit. You know, yeah, he is not decommitted. There's really uh, nothing that's happened to that point, but. Um, not answering any calls from Georgia, recru- you know, uh, recruiting sites like ours, um, really laying low. I mean, I think what's going to happen, he's going to 
visit Lincoln this weekend. I don't know if he's going to formally announce that he's flipping his commitment, but you know, he's planning on being an, an early enrollee, and that's coming up here uh, pretty quickly. So he may not even really announce anything, but I, I do think the wheel is in motion for him to be a corn husker uh, to get over there, get settled in Lincoln, and then go through bowl practices and wow. get ready for things uh, with Nebraska. Two quick questions on that. He's going to visit this weekend in Lincoln. Does the dead period start Sunday after visits like it used to do uh, when signing day was in early Wednesday, uh, early February, excuse me, and, and where would Georgia try and replace um, – that loss, I mean, is there a surprise couple of uh, folks out there looking, Georgia looking to flip or commit on next Wednesday? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm not really the recruiting guru on the dead period and when it's going to start. Um, but with the second question, with the quarterback, Georgia is very, very lucky that they've got another commit in Ryan Puglisi, a guy that, you know, for the longest time, other teams tried to flip and tried to tell them, look, they've already got Dylan Raiola. Why are you coming in this class? He was convinced that he wanted to be a Bulldog. He stuck with his commitment, and it's paying off big time for Georgia right now because otherwise they would be scrambling trying to find a quarterback or even trying to find a quarterback in the transfer portal just to build a little bit of depth. So, yeah, I don't anticipate Georgia's going to go out and try to land a big name. You know, Perhaps they might offer somebody late an in-state quarterback just for the sake of depth because especially if you don't have Carson Beck come back, I mean, you're looking at Gunnar Stockton, and as long as he signs Ryan Puglisi. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carson coming back would definitely help on that front. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a wild uh, week and, you know, a few days with that signing period. Uh, you know, we, we were a little bit spoiled with this on the Georgia side. You know, everything had been locked up, it felt like, from, like, I don't know, September or October. You're like, okay, you know, we're just going to watch and kind of ease through this December signing period. Uh, Should have known better than that, guys, because there's always something going on. That's right. There's always something going on, and there's always changes happening. And look, I say this all the time on recruiting. You're dealing with 17-, 18-year-old kids who are dealing with their future and preparing for their future. I mean, things change by the hour, it seems, sometimes. And so we'll see how that goes with uh, Dylan Rayola, the Georgia commit for now, but the uh, momentum seems to be swinging towards uh, the state of Nebraska. We're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. One quick question before we let you get out of here. We'll flip to basketball. Since the two losses back-to-back for Georgia – down in the Bahamas they've turned it on Jordan they've got four wins in a row over Winthrop Florida State Mercer and Georgia Tech and got a couple of nice easier games hopefully for Georgia that they can get some uh, some more wins before they start SEC play definitely Bulldogs are sitting at six and three right now big win last week against Georgia Tech I, I did not expect this but uh, Georgia is three and one against the ACC during non-conference play they would definitely that? take that um, they've got four home games left in the year. Um, next one is Saturday against High Point. All very winnable games. All games Bulldogs should take care of business in Stegman Coliseum. If they're able to end uh, non-conference play 10-3, and three, I'd say that was quite an accomplishment. But they're going to have to try to roll that forward, keep that momentum going. Their uh, start to conference play is super tough. I believe it's at Missouri at home against Arkansas, at home against Tennessee. That's so correct. It is going to be really, really rough. Um, definitely a good start to things for the Bulldogs, just trying to need to uh, really try to close out 2023 on a high note.
I know SEC play hasn't started, but the SEC as a whole has been struggling through these non-conference games. If you Give us your best placement of this Georgia team in the SEC right now, 1 through 14. If you had to, if you had to put Georgia a push pin on the wall right now, 1 through 14, where would it be? I'd say it would be somewhere in that eight to ten range. I think that uh, you know going into the season, I thought they would be one of the uh, teams just on the outside looking in of the NCAA tournament. I mean, the big thing for me once they get into conference play, they've got to have their big step up. It's, it's still a question about this team that uh, they faced last year in Mike White's first year, um, but there's a lot to like. I think the guards have done well. I think they've really improved defensively and have really put a lot of pressure on teams that they've played. I mean, they played really well on defense in that win against Georgia Tech and uh, put that game away pretty early, uh, led for, I think, 39 of the 40 minutes. So there's a lot to like. I think that uh, there's still several teams that I think are kind of going to be around that in the mix of those SEC teams that could make the tournament. Uh, but a lot to like from what Georgia's done so far. Just have to build on it going forward. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He covers Georgia better than anybody over in Athens, and we appreciate him and his time each and every week here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Jordan, plug everything you got. Tell people where they can find you because this time next week, brother, it's going to be a busy time for you. We'll talk off air about our schedule next week with signing day, but tell everybody where they can find you and find all your great coverage for that big day next week. Sounds great. Uh, Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. I believe we're still running a 50% off deal right now through the end of the year, so need to go jump on that or go jump on in it with uh, Auburn Undercover, Jason Caldwell, Nathan King, and those guys at our Auburn site. But, yeah, definitely busy time of year. I'm sure that by the time we talk again next week, four or five different things have changed. Uh, you always got to stay on your toes in December when it comes to college football, but uh, – that's just sort of the nature of the beast. That's right, man. We enjoy it, and we enjoy talking to you. It's always a pleasure, man. Have a great week, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you sometime next week. Again, we'll we'll get together off air and figure it out, but have a great week. All right. Appreciate you guys. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 2.30. Next Wednesday is that early signing day. We want to talk a lot of Auburn that day, so uh, we'll, we'll figure out our schedule and what that's going to be, but I do want to get Jordan on again sometime next week. We'll take our final break, come back quickly, and wrap up hour number one, and we'll get into hour number two talking all things Auburn basketball. we got some football things to talk about as well. That's all coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one, it's going to be a quick segment. We got uh, literally just a couple of minutes. We went long with Jordan, but that's okay. Lots to talk about on the uh, Georgia side of things with with basketball doing pretty well for Georgia and 3-1 and one against the ACC. That's no joke uh, for Georgia basketball, so uh, good for them. So much to talk about with the football side of things, and the biggest news, you brought it up, Uncle T-Bone, was uh, the Dylan Rayola saga sure. with, with Georgia. And, I mean, Jordan, they're predicting him going to Nebraska. I mean, that seems like it's almost a done deal that their top recruit, the, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, going to go to Nebraska over Georgia. Wild. Well, I mean, look at Matt Rule making some noise out there. Good for him. You know, I thought that was a pretty good hire when they brought him in. It's a great hire. And, Easy to uh, say they now. They could have done a lot worse. I'll tell you that. But uh, next Wednesday, December 
20th. That's mm-hmm. right. That's early signing day. It's signing day. It's going to be a wild, wild week and an even wilder weekend on many college campuses, especially here at Auburn. I predict that this weekend is going to be crazy in town with USC and Ronnie James coming to town. Will LeBron make it to the game? The Lakers don't play on Sunday. There will be a ton of Auburn football and basketball recruits here. Auburn fans getting down there. The average price for that ticket right now over at SeatGeek, $345. For the USC game? For the USC game. Jesus. When Neville Arena opened up in Tony Barbie's first year, I bought two tickets in the upper corner for $99 for the whole season. Wish I'd have kept those, right? Yeah, I'm telling but, you what. Uh, it's gonna, I predict the next week, is we're going to have more than we want to talk about. Um, just probably open up the phones. I've got some. Uh, I've got some recruiting news we can talk about next okay. hour. My man, okay. the barber shop hit me up today with some updates. And when the barber shops open, come get your recruiting shave. That's right. Here at on the line. I love it. I love it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk more Auburn basketball, good and bad. Also, want to talk about the schedule release that's going to come out tonight, as Jordan Hill was talking about with the SEC. Georgia going to Alabama for a night game next year in Tuscaloosa. We'll have that and a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. Phone lines are open for the second hour. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Don't go anywhere. The second hour is coming up. ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins alongside me in the studio every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's Uncle T-Bone. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio as we get underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of hour number one, you can find the podcast posted after each and every show. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or go to our station website at ESPNAU.com. We talked Auburn basketball on the bad side of things. Uh, we will, uh, we will 
Uh, revisit that quickly here in this second hour because we also want to talk about the game tonight for Auburn basketball. Uh, but we also talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 in that first hour. Got some updates on Georgia football and the transfer portal, the recruiting update on Dylan Rayola and what he had to say, his prediction for what that's going to end up being like, and then a little update on basketball as well. So that was in the first hour. Coming up here in hour number two, about to get to the phone lines. We've got Ed who's been waiting through the break. We're going to get to him. Would love to hear from you as well 334-321-1390 talking Auburn basketball with the news today or the article I should say I wouldn't call it news I'd call it an article today and then the game tonight we'll talk a little football as well but 334-321-1390 Ed thanks so much for calling in man what's on your mind hey uh, I, uh, a couple of things one thing I was just going to ask you you know uh, of course it's coming from uh, Alabama you know, uh, sports enthusiast. But h- how firm do you think that Perry Thompson is to, to staying with Auburn? To staying with Auburn or stay with Alabama? Perry Thompson's been committed to Auburn. For oh, okay. I'm, excuse me. I, I'm sorry. I had Ryan Williams uh, on 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 my mind. <laughs> sorry about that, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Perry, I, I think Perry Thompson's a, a lead pipe lock to Auburn. Uh, okay, well, uh, you know, somebody earlier before y'all show come on was saying, you know, who was that? That's, that's an, that was Doug. What did he say? Doug. He was saying it's been rumored and all this that, that he's going to flip back to back. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors about it from Alabama fans on Twitter. But uh-huh. several folks in this station have reached out to their sources on the other side of the state that they deal with and say that it's just basically fake news. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's why I call you, you know, Uncle T-Bone, that's why I call you because you can give me the straight up on it. Hey, I'll tell you this, Ed. If he flips, yeah. it will, yeah. I will be totally 100% shocked and i've ne- and and it's hard for me to be shocked about anything that happens re- in recruiting now i will say also that there's no don't think for a second alabama ever stopped recruiting him and where he lives oh. in the state of alabama that red elephant mm-hmm. club down there has put as much pressure on him as you can possibly put on a kid but he's been pretty yeah. steadfast auburn he's recruited for auburn he'll be here this weekend according to all reports We'll be here Sunday with Ryan Williams inside Neville Arena watching Bronny James and USC playing, and he will be recruiting for Auburn like he has been. So if he leaves Sunday yeah. and, and all of a sudden he goes shopping on some shopping spree down in the outlet malls in, in Baldwin County and we don't hear from him and he's in some quote-unquote condo, then you'll know he's yeah. gone. But right now I got him 100% Tiger. Uh, all right, that, that, that makes me that makes me feel a little better. And, and as far as the thing about with Coach Pearl, and, I, you know, I, I don't know how old uh, you are. I know Jacob's substantially young. I'm 63. I'm an old man. But, uh, you know, I, I remember when Pat Dye started, you know, beating in that recruiting Bama, I, I, I was – I had – my position was over a bunch of fairly large contractors who mm. had some pretty close connections in Alabama, and they said, you can market, they're getting rid of that. Uh, and you know where this is coming from. Oh, oh yeah. Stevie Wonder can see absolutely. where this is coming from, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one more thing I was going to say. I just heard, uh, uh, 
and I told Jacob about this. Uh, the the I just heard an ad from uh, CNC siding mm-hmm. Clay Cardone. I, I just want to just say this. I, I know the man, and I'm going to tell you, if anybody needs any kind of I mean, he does siding, but he's a good carpenter. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, he is a great He's a great guy, you know. So yeah. if anybody needs work, I, I, I'd absolutely tell him. That. Yeah, ditto, awesome. ditto, my yeah. friend. Awesome. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. Ed, right. thanks so much for the call. And he knows football, too. Yeah, yep, that's right. 334-321-1390. Thanks so much, Ed. He's right on uh, on Clay Cardone over at CMC. Yeah. Those guys came on with us here at ESPN, and we're thankful for them. And, and yeah, really good, good group of people that do fantastic work. So a yeah. uh, big shout-out there to them. No, no doubt about it. I've known Clay Cardone and his team over at CMC for quite some time. Ed, given the personal testimony on I'll back it up, those are good folks. Give them a call for any kind of construction need. They will get you hooked up, and they know what they're doing. They do. Well, let's talk a little basketball because uh, Auburn basketball is in the news today and not for the right reasons. And whether it's true or not, we still don't know. But here's what we do know is that an article was put out today by the USA Today and Dan Wolken, uh, who has a just a long history of, of covering the sport, covering college athletics, and whatever your personal opinion of him is, that's good for you. I mean, that it is what it is, right? That's not relevant here right now. But the article that he put out, okay, and we're going to recap this quickly. We, we talked a lot about it in the first hour. The, the article's title is named Secret Filming in Sports Isn't Limited to Football. It's Just Hard to Prove. And the article goes on to reference the Michigan sign-stealing stuff in football this year. But it goes on to say that there was a situation in the SEC fairly recently when accusations of spying were well-known within the league. And you can go find the article, go to usatoday.com or go to your search engine on the internet and just type in Dan Wolken Auburn and it's going to pop up. The article goes on to say that there was speculation that Auburn and Bruce Pearl had video cameras that were spying on opposing teams when they came to practice at what was Auburn Arena, now Neville Arena, back in 2017 and 2018. That's when all this got brought up, okay? It got brought up by some representatives from SEC programs. That's the wordage that's used in the article. Representatives from SEC programs raised their concern. And at the yearly meeting with all the coaches, when the SEC came out and said, okay, who's got information on this? Nobody budged. Nobody moved. Nobody said a word except one head coach. The former then South Carolina head coach Frank Martin who said anybody got anything anybody have anything to say no okay that's what we thought and they moved on and the USA Today reached out and they have their sources who gave them some information but didn't attach their name to it because they weren't allowed to speak publicly on the accusations and on the events so what we have here Uncle T-Bone is a bunch of people behind closed doors saying that Auburn and Bruce Pearl are winning, they're cheating to do it, but they're not going to come out and have the guts or the proof to say that it's actually happening. And here we are. It's got Auburn people fired up, and rightfully so. Where's the Final Four this year, Jacob? Uh, The Final Four, I don't know off the top of my head. 
Oh, I found it. I'm sorry. April 6th through 8th in Phoenix. Auburn fans, right. go ahead and start making your plans. This article just tells me <laughs> that Auburn's got a championship-level team. Funny how this article just happens to come out after Auburn stretches its legs up in Atlanta, destroys one of the best-branded-name teams in college basketball on national television, Indiana. Shows that that's a team, if they play like that and up to that potential – during the NCAA tournament that they could easily win it all. I don't think there's a team in college basketball that would beat Auburn Saturday in, inside the State Farm Arena in no. Atlanta, buddy. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, folks and haters are like, ooh, boy, Auburn might be pretty good this year. Man, we're going to have to slow this roll, Jacob. Ed's seen this. He just alluded to it. He's a 63-year-old man. I'm not quite to that age, but I've been around for quite some time. This is a gaslit article. Sourced by haters of Bruce Pearl and Auburn, right after a massive victory in the regular season against Indiana, where Auburn showed that it can easily play with any team in college basketball. Huge weekend coming up with not only football and basketball recruits going to be at Neville Arena. We got to slow that roll, Jacob. Auburn's just doing. Oh, 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 oh. We can't let them be better than us. We can't them let them get rolling. We can't let them get hot. Let's just try and throw some mud up against the wall. Let's leak some stuff that happened six years ago mm-hmm. to Dan Woken, and we'll just let him, who hates Bruce Pearl because he's a conservative and Dan's a liberal. That's just a fact. You can look at Twitter. And we'll just let him carve him up and chew him up and spit him out. And then we'll all run around and talk about talk about how Auburn's a bunch of cheaters. Because we're all a bunch of haters. Where's Pat For who's coming next? Pat Forty, Pete Thamel, Thayer Evans. I don't know, man. It, Mark my- Schleyball. <laughs> I mean, we know this game, Bammers. We've seen it a hundred times. Not today. The gaslighting's over. And it comes back for me just the fact that there's no legitimate proof here, right? Look, if these coaches came together, and this has been six and seven years in the running, if they came together and they said, hey, hey, Greg Sankey, hey, SEC, here's a file, here's a flash drive of the video that Auburn used, if some, however they would get it. I know that would be tough, trying to get it from an opposing school. But you know what I'm saying here. If they come together with well, a flash what drive. in that situation is there would be a whistleblower at Auburn who probably most likely had a axe to grind and knew something had happened. He got fired or she got fired for some reason and then leaked that out with some actual evidence. Or, again, you if can't, just, You can't just say as coaches, man, Auburn used to be really bad. And I remember when they had a curtain. Up in the old Beardies Memorial sweat box we used to play them in because nobody came to the games. And now they can't be that good. It's impossible. They're cheating. Yeah, claiming that there were video cameras inside of the arena. And there was a quote in the article. And again, I highly encourage our listeners, if you haven't read the article, go and read it so you know what we're referencing here. Okay? There was a quote in there that said it was just known to not do anything inside the arena in your practices. Right? Don't show anything. It was a known thing that... Don't practice anything because Auburn's watching. The Auburn Jesus is watching, right? I, oh I just don't gosh. get it. I don't get it. It I is mean, what I it is. I would think if I was a basketball coach or football coach or any type of coach, when I was going on the road, I'd have everything zipped up anyway. I mean, do you think I'm going to roll up and roll my whole game plan out in front of Bryant-Denny Stadium, a so-called empty Bryant-Denny Stadium? Give me a break. That's a joke. Well, That's a joke statement. It is what it is. And until... 
until something actually comes out about this or something proof comes out, and I said that in the first hour, right? I did. I said, look, this could be true. We do have to play. You got to play the game. And let's say, for me to be a devil's advocate here, to push back on, on this program, what if it did happen? Then that's a whole different conversation. But until something comes out, right, until these coaches come out and put their name on these statements and say, we firmly believe that Auburn was cheating. And I would expect this for any other program that was being accused of this. Okay? Until the coaches come out, or the assistants, or whoever come out and say, look, we've gotten together, we've talked about this, here's our list of reasonings, here's our, here's our case that we're going to hand to you in a manila folder, we truly believe that they're doing something against the rules. And until that happens, and until film gets shown that Auburn was filming other teams, it doesn't matter. What does matter to me is the game tonight against UNC Asheville up in Huntsville. Because, like we talked about with Double D, Daryl Dappert yesterday, Auburn has a chance to bounce back off a big win and carry that momentum into what some people are calling a trap game, Uncle T-Bone. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. Looks like we're going to get to the phone lines as well here on ESPN 1067. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's talk a little Auburn basketball, but the game tonight instead of stories that are accusations as of right now here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We're going to get to the phone lines before we do that, though. 334-321-1390. And Steela Mike, you're on the line, man. What's up? Another day, another hit piece during a time of potential. <laughs> like 2010s all over again. Yeah. I mean, my God, you know, it's, it's like T-Bone said, it's just the constant, the never ends, coming from typical people with typical slants and biases. I mean, you know where that information's coming from, Steeler Mike. It's not like Pat Forty or Mark Slayball's ever come down here and dug around and went private investigator and broke a story. That's that stuff is coming from somewhere else. Yeah, of course, and 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 then of course, after all the talk about this, the next thing that comes to mind is those six coach SEC coaches. Are they that stupid? <laughs> I mean. I mean, like they're that better. A few minutes ago, are you, you going to put your game plan out there and pre-game practice? I mean, come on, y'all. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is it, such it a non-story; it it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, it harkens back to the guy in the woods overlooking the practice outdoor practice field over here during the Tuberville days. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it's a big game tonight. Obviously, yeah. for for all the reasons mentioned before. Uh, I think this team has a chance to really start building some foundational pieces. Um, you know, that game against Indiana was, was one of those once in a while, uh, but it did show the potential, like y'all said this week. And I think it's a great uh, lead game into what should be payback time uh, against USC. Right. Uh, 
right. And yeah. Neville. Yeah, because Auburn went on the road. Yeah, Auburn went on the road and lost a very winnable game last year out there in Los Angeles. Yeah, and I think this team is is hopefully starting to learn how to finish off teams. You know, that Baylor game was very winnable. Um, you know, the App State game had it, you know, they, they could have won the game, but obviously the, the circumstances uh, and the lack of shooting really hurt them in that game. Um, but if they can just continue to build consistency and build these pieces, this team, the potential for it is just as high as any contender in the country. You're right I mean, about they've that. Got, they've got the players, uh, barring some, you know, some kind of unforeseen things, uh, I think this team will be there in March uh, and stretching their legs at the right time. Um, yeah. As far as football recruiting, I cannot wait till Monday. <laughs> and I'm just going to let it go at that. Uh, you know, I I feel really, really good about Monday. And uh, they could fireworks could be a routine thing all day on, on Monday. But uh, I appreciate the show. Uh, T-Bone, glad to have you on board. Uh and uh, just keep just keep the fire, man. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Appreciate the call, Steeler Mike, 334-321-1390. So the game tonight, and thank you for the kind comments, Taylor Mike. Please keep listening and keep calling. The game tonight, you know, a classic trap game, right? A classic letdown game, whatever, whatever you want to call it. UNC Asheville's made the uh, uh, NCAA tournament several times. They were their conference champions last year. Auburn, I think, looking at about a 19-point favorite last time I saw. Anywhere uh, from 19 to 19 and a half, and yeah. look, Auburn proved what it can do the be- its best uh, this past Saturday, and then the Sunday before they proved, quite frankly, how bad a basketball team they can be. Uh, they can they cannot fill up the basket and get beat by a lower-level team like Appalachian State, like a UNC Asheville. This is not, not going to be some type of cupcake game. I mean, don't expect Auburn to go out there and just dominate. I'm sure not looking for that. But what I am looking for is an Auburn team to continue the intensity, both offensively and defensively, that I saw in Atlanta this past Saturday against Indiana. And if they're going to maintain that pace of play, they're going to win the majority of the games that they play mm-hmm. moving forward. They will. And they're going to be a full-blown tournament team with a chance of getting to uh, the Sweet 16 and possibly beyond. Well, Daryl Dapper said it yesterday on the show around this time, and it's a really good point, and I'm 100% stealing it from him, but I'll give him credit where it's due. Sure. He said that this is a really good opportunity for Auburn to do two things that are very similar, right? Coming out of the App State game, which we all believe is, is about as bad as this team could play, and you still had chances to win on the road, you, this Auburn team had the chance to come out of that game, and going into the Indiana matchup, that was their chance to respond. That was a big moment for Auburn, because were they going to come out and continue to play flat? Were they not going to be able to shoot the ball? Was this going to be a dogfight for 40 minutes, and you have to scrap, and people are still sitting around and worried about this Auburn team or do you come out and respond and play with high intensity high level of focus preparation and play a lot better and Auburn did that and then some right they played their best game of the season and possibly the best game we're going to see him play all year so now you have the chance to do that again after a big win it's one thing to do it after a bad loss where you can all come together and say look man we got to be better well we have to be better we have to play better and they did that against indiana 
But now coming out of a massive win, 28 points, we all know the numbers with the biggest runs and all that that they had in that basketball game. This is the chance for a team to get complacent and say, oh man, look what we did against Indiana on Saturday. UNC Asheville, they got nothing on us. We're favored by 20 points. No, that's what bad, mediocre teams do who have a one-off game fluke that was a good game. I don't think Saturday against Indiana was a fluke, Uncle T-Bone. I think that's a great performance by a great team. Are we going to see them put up 104 points each game? No. But I think that team can play near that night in and night out if they try. The depth is what keeps this team separated from everybody else in the SEC and a lot of other teams across the country. Tonight is an example and an opportunity for Auburn to go in, win by 25 or 30, continue the momentum, and get into what is a huge game this weekend with Southern Cal on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think that 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 was a great win Saturday, obviously, by a team that could be great. You know, I think that there's still a long ways to go, and and you're going to continue to see Bruce uh, rotate, work in, work out, you know, and decide really how he wants to approach conference play the remainder of this uh, non-conference schedule. Now, look, Sunday might be a different story because I believe that's going to be a very, very lit crowd and situation. So you're probably going to see showtime and the majority of Auburn's hot and best players rolling it on along instead of this big rotation and Auburn really trying to make a statement at home for, for the crowd, for the recruits, for the university, for the brand, right? For the potential of who's in that crowd. Yeah, it could be a little, uh, hey, LeBron, maybe you should have sent your kid to play for Bruce Pearl, my man. So anyway, and you know, some people are saying, just going to go ahead and tell y'all, Auburn folks, you might see a little – Oh, I don't know. Pro basketball player not team named Charles Barkley walking around downtown Uh-oh. Auburn this weekend. So just saying. But uh and I'm with you, man. Auburn could have gone out there and uh really not shown up for uh Indiana. Too too mature a basketball team though to stay down. That's blatantly obvious. And and you've said here's a couple of things that I want to see can moving forward also. I said it offensive and defensive intensity. I need to see Jalen Williams continue to play up to his potential. And uh Excuse me, and I want to see some more Dylan Cardwell out there uh, with Janai Broom on the court protecting the big man as Auburn's enforcer. We'll talk some more about that. Plus, tonight's a big night for 2024 college football. The SEC schedules are going to be released tonight. We want to talk about that, too, when we come back. Some of the games that have already been released, the potential of some other schedules, including Auburn. We know the opponents. How are they going to stack up? We'll talk about that as well when we come back. Phone lines are still open. Give us a call. No Austin Hannon today. We'll pick him back up sometime next week. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. The Wednesday edition of On the Line continues after this. Southeastern Industrial Contractors offers the path to a productive and successful career for hard workers of all ages, especially young people looking to jump straight into the workforce. Southeastern Industrial Contractors is now hiring for great paying skilled trade positions. Managing partner Derek Harville is a proud Auburn University graduate with deep roots in the community. Give him a call at 334-209-6355 to learn more. Southeastern Industrial Contractors, 334-209-6355. 
are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And be sure you go and check them out. Uh, Whether you get off work early today, they've got happy hour specials from 4 to 6. If you're looking for maybe a Sunday brunch before the Tigers take on USC this weekend, go check them out over at 800 Main Street in Midtown, just off of Opelika Road. All those nice white buildings over there, you can go check them out. Uh, The plaza patio if it's not like a weather like today uh, so go check them out we appreciate them being our studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m here on espn 1067 uncle tebow we got a few things to to go over in this segment there is some news from the ncaa about the transfers uh, and transfer portal we have uh, some more to wrap up on auburn basketball we'll get to that as we end the show and then the schedule release tonight for 2024 in SEC football the schedule release will be tonight and some really interesting matchups are going to be on the board we know uh, the opponents and a couple of games have already been announced including Kirby Smart and the Dogs going to Tuscaloosa for a night game in September next year in college football man what a doozy that is off the rip yeah I'm gonna head over to uh Bryant-Denny Stadium, uh, you know, they'll build this one up as the, uh, I guess it won't be CBS any longer. It'll be on ABC. ABC, Game of the Century, Alabama and Georgia. Get to see the rest of the SEC schedules. We talked about Georgia's schedule earlier and how brutal it is. I think Ole Miss's schedule has been released as well, or it's been leaked. Some, yeah, I was about to say, some are getting kind of leaked out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and uh, boy, it looked uh, it looked kind of weak compared to Georgia's. Um, I'm going to try and pull this up real quick and get your thoughts on its non-conference schedule. The best team they play out of uh, non-conference would be, a, uh, would be Wake Forest. And heard some other shows talking about this nationally. Yeah, that that watch out for Ole Miss. They're getting a lot of players returning back. They've spent a lot of their NIL money on keeping this team intact. And players like uh, Pugue and Jackson Dark coming back next year. So, Rebels, uh, Rebels looking for a favorable schedule. I'm interested to see where Auburn falls. I think that we get Oklahoma next year instead of Texas. And uh, and see, you know, all of these schedules should be pretty difficult moving forward. It's just a matter of wh- where and when you play people. Well, here's what we know uh, about some of the other games around or outside of Auburn before we start talking about that and kind of the potential of what that could look like. You have Georgia on the road at Alabama. We mentioned that. We have Georgia on the road at Texas October 19th. And Alabama on the road at Oklahoma November 23rd. Just so you know, that's the week before the Iron Bowl. So Alabama has to go to Oklahoma Woo. before they welcome Auburn to Bryant-Denny Stadium. I don't care if Oklahoma's good, bad, or mid. That's a tough game to go and play on the road before you welcome what's going to be a much-improved Auburn team the very next week. So I did pull, and I agree with you, that's, uh, that's brutal. I did pull up... Um, Ole Miss's alleged schedule, we'll know for sure tonight. They start the season with Furman, Woo-hoo. Middle Tennessee, Hey-o. at Wake, Georgia Southern, Hey-o. Kentucky, 
Gosh. At South Carolina. Mm. And then finally at 10-12, they get somebody tw- tough at LSU, followed by a home game with Oklahoma. At Arkansas, they'll host Georgia. At Florida and Mississippi State, Ole Miss will dodge Alabama and Auburn probably for the first time in forever. Uh, there, there's I, I've seen the stat before, and I don't have it on me right now. But the Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the Mississippi schools not playing Auburn and Alabama. I mean, you got to go way back to find the years where they don't play Auburn and Alabama because those. I mean, those four schools have just played each other every year. Uh, easily my entire life most people's entire life i mean those are just four programs that have just always played each other in sec play being in the sec west and obviously being all together uh for so long here's what we know yeah other than georgia i think auburn's played mississippi state more than just more than anybody else in the sec and maybe ever yeah it's wild it's wild i mean again they just go so far back and Neither one of those schools are on Auburn's schedule next year because here's what we know opponents-wise for Auburn in 2024. And again, tonight uh, on, on TV, they're going to release the 2024 SEC football schedules. We, we have some that we think are confirmed, but not 100% confirmed until they do it tonight on ESPN and the SEC Network. But here are the opponents. We do know this for Auburn in 2024. We have some of the games scheduled. You start the season at home uh, with Cal on September 7th. You have uh, New Mexico on September 14th. You have Georgia at Georgia on Saturday, October 5th. And you have ULM at home on Saturday, November 16th. And you also have the Iron Bowl, which is, of course, the final Saturday in November after Thanksgiving, which is Saturday, November 30th on the road at Alabama. So we know that Auburn goes on the road to Georgia and on the road to Alabama because those were two of those permanent opponents. Here are the other opponents that Auburn will play, and we'll find out where these get stacked up this evening. Arkansas, Oklahoma as one of the newcomers to the SEC, Texas A&M, that'll be a home game. The Oklahoma will be a home game. Arkansas will be a home game. And Vanderbilt will be a home game. Okay, so your conference home games this season, or next year again for Auburn, are going to be Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. Your road games for Auburn next year are Kentucky, Missouri, Georgia, and Alabama. That's what your SEC teams are going to be. Now, how is that going to get stacked up? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look. Here's one thing I can tell you. You won't be playing Oklahoma super late in the year because, as I mentioned, Alabama plays them the week before the Iron Bowl. So maybe Auburn can get lucky and play. I'd love to play Vanderbilt that week, but it's not going to be a cupcake game because you play all your smaller games. Your last cupcake is ULM on November 16th. Most likely would be a home game. They're probably not going to send you on the road two weeks in a row to you end hope the not. season, especially since you'd have to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. You know, so you're probably looking at a home game. It'd be nice to catch Arkansas then. Vanderbilt. Right? Or Vanderbilt, like you said. The home uh, the home swing of that schedule to me sounds a lot, lot easier than the away swing, especially with a rising Missouri. You know, I still don't know if I'm going to completely buy in that Missouri is going to be another – you know, 10, 11 win season uh, game uh, program next year. Uh, I'm going to have to see more of that to believe it. I'm not saying they're a shot in the dark and Eli Drinkwitz is a, 
is an anomaly or something, but you know that that's still a program that really has very rarely has put together back to back super seasons, except for the first two years they were in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't like the road t- the game at Kentucky either. I don't like that. That's a there's worse places to go play. That's not a rabid crowd. I you know although I think Kentucky's a little bit better than Florida. I'd rather play at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I would rather play at Kentucky than at South Carolina. That's a much more rabid crowd. Um, actually, in my opinion, for going on the road, uh, Kentucky's about, other than Vanderbilt, maybe Arkansas right now, Mississippi State, if they're no good, it's about one of the easier places to play. And Auburn's had a lot of success up there. One good thing for Auburn, um, depending on which camp that you set up in, there is, again, massive separation between the time you go to Athens to take on Georgia and the time you go to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. You go to Georgia... October 5th you go to Alabama on November 30th so you're looking at almost two months of separation you're looking at seven seven week differential between when you play Georgia versus when you play Alabama and I know that was a huge controversy years ago when that finally got changed where the Auburn Georgia game wasn't late November right where they moved it to October Look at how it benefits Auburn as a program now, man. Look at that. Imagine having to go to Georgia, to Bama. They used to do it all the time. Now it's going to be in early October. Yeah, it was Amen Corner. Yeah, where you now you can win or lose, and you have a chance to rebound if you lose and get your feet back under you or use it as a momentum and then kind of have some games back behind you to build a winning streak rather than, good job, you beat Georgia. Here's your prize. It's Alabama. Yeah, back in the uh, old school days, Amen Quarter also included Florida around mm-hmm. that time too as well. So I'm with you. Auburn's always played a very difficult football schedule. I mean, you know, look, just look at the conference we're in. Just look who our big rivals are, Alabama, Georgia. Back in the day, Florida and Tennessee were on the schedule every single year. I mean, there weren't many breaks for the Tigers. Auburn has historically played a very, very tough non-conference schedule of the likes of Florida State, Georgia Tech, Texas, Clemson, good. Texas. These are old times games. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, they had, they had Maryland on there. North Carolina would come to town, and then and then in recent years playing the likes of Clemson, Oregon, Washington. So here's my thoughts on it all. I think schools like Cal need to stay on the schedule. I mean, let's take this old Miss approach. Why in the world, with things getting much tougher? with Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC. And good lords, who else is coming behind them in the next four to five years? Would you play anybody tougher than Wake Forest out of conference? Well, here's the problem with that is you have Cal next year to wrap up the home-and-home. Then you have a home-and-home with Baylor 2025 and 2026. Home-and-home with UCLA 27 and 28. And Miami 29 and 30. I'm fine with all of those games. I don't think that – I mean, I'm looking for the Pitts. I'm looking for the Syracuses. I'm looking for the Arizona State. There's no way I'm scheduling anything with Michigan or Ohio State. I'll see those teams in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of Clemson, that's where Georgia opens up next year is in Mercedes-Benz taking on those Clemson that's Tigers. That's a tough game. Yes, it is. Clemson uh, has gotten the, gotten their act together late in the second half of the season. It took Tyler from Spartanburg firing up old uh, Dabo Sweeney to finally get him in gear. Uh, that Clemson will be an improved team next year. That And, and jo- who knows? Uh, we, we talked to Jordan. 
Who's going to be pulling the trigger at quarterback for the uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs? Right. It's not going to be Brock Vandergriff who's going to be playing you in know, Lexington. Doesn't sound like it's going to be Dylan Rayola who will be a corn husker is what people yeah. are telling us right now. Well, I'll say this about that. Uh, that will just open up way, way, way more NIL money and free agency money to keep uh, Carson back around. That's a great point. And you can't argue with how good he's been for the Georgia I mean, Bulldogs. it's like, you know, I hate it that Marcus Harris is leaving. I hate it that Rodgers is leaving, mm-hmm. right? We need those people to say. But that was money that was probably budgeted for them to stay. So now you might be able to just, oh, I don't know, throw that money down and on, on recruiting a couple of guys out of Florida who are on the defensive line that I've got 80% committing to Auburn next Wednesday. Just going to go ahead and put it out there from the barber shop. There you go. Well, hey, looking back at Georgia's schedule – for next year again this has not been officially released but it will be as of tonight and this is pretty confident here you open up with Clemson two weeks later you play on the road in Lexington you take a bye week you go to Alabama come back for Auburn play Mississippi State at home before you take a trip to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns before you have another bye week that's a brutal start for Georgia the back end's a little bit easier with Florida in neutral site at Ole Miss and home for Tennessee. But like Jordan Hill said earlier in the show, you can't say t- you can't say that Georgia's got an easy schedule next year because they don't. No, they they don't, don't have an easy schedule. And and I think that will I told him this. I think that helps them as a program when you get in situations like you saw this year. The committee did not respect their undefeated record. They didn't. They did not respect it. Because they played in the SEC East. Well, guess what? That doesn't exist anymore. Right. You're not playing Tennessee and Kentucky and Missouri and Florida and South Carolina, the bottom feeders of this conference, year week in and week out, year in and year out. You're playing half and half, give or take. Right? You're which it's gonna take us a while to not think of these teams as West and East anymore, but you're playing one of Texas or Oklahoma. You're playing a couple of teams from the former SEC West of Bama, Auburn, A&M, Ole Miss, right? LSU. But then you're still getting some of the best from that side in Tennessee and Florida. So schedules across the board for most teams on average are getting tougher. But something that I've talked about in the past, Uncle T-Bone, I think Auburn's schedule has to get easier just by default. Just by default, it has to get easier because you're not playing in the toughest division in college football anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, Georgia and Alabama are still on the schedule, but just by, by, again, by default, the schedule has to get easier. How can it get harder? Auburn plays a top-five schedule yeah, every single well, year in college football. Who, who knows, really and truly, if Georgia will continue to be on the schedule, whether we like it or not. You know, I mean, this thing's a moving target, really. They're just only through next year. Right. And, they're and you know... Because they kind of put it off. There's, oh, yeah, they put it off. I mean, a shocker, the SEC would put something off, right? I mean, I, I, I'm... I'm with you. It's Auburn has always played a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not. You know, I'm sorry, Georgia. Welcome to the welcome to our world. You got to go play at Alabama at night. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, those two schools have been dodging each other in the regular season my whole lifetime. They've barely played each other in the regular season many times at all. I mean, you know, and they, you know, are you kidding me? I yeah, mean, they barely play. They're going to play now. They're going to play now. You know, I think the only way you truly ever have an easier schedule in the SEC moving forward 
is if you're catching a few teams like – if you get Vandy on your schedule and you're catching a few teams like Arkansas who are obviously in disarray, if you can catch two or three teams like that and maybe even a Vandy in a future schedule and just luckily those teams are firing their coach or their coach is on the hot seat or right. and, and they're having major issues, you're just going to slide on up to the top of the SEC a little bit more naturally. And I think this is a conversation that can be had. I'll probably talk about this a little bit tomorrow when we have all the schedules that are released. And and Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us tomorrow as well to talk about all of this. But looking at Auburn's potential schedule, just at the opponents, right? Again, we don't know how it's going to stack up, and I know we got to get to our final break. But depending on how it stacks up, Auburn doesn't have just the most difficult schedule in the world next year. Okay, you do go on the road to Georgia and Bama. That's tough. But I already mentioned that those are seven weeks apart. We do that all the time. We do it all the time. Home games against Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. Those are good games to have at home. Not having to go to Norman or not having to go to College Station is big. Arkansas, I'm not worried about that. And Vanderbilt, you're not worried about that. And you already said it. To have to go to Lexington and Como, those are two of the easier trips in the SEC crowd-wise when you have to go on the road. So all things considered, this could be and stack up to be a really good Auburn football schedule for next season. I'd rather draw Oklahoma next year, too, than Texas. Uh, Yeah. And, it, you know, Dylan Gabriel, is he's leaving, the quarterback from Oklahoma, he's leaving, right, and going, probably going to Oregon. I mean, he didn't he announce that he was going in the transfer portal? And I, I think so. I mean, that Texas program, Quinn Ewers will be back. Malik Murphy will be back. Arch Manning will probably be back. They're going to get they're they're in the top five, top seven in recruiting. Yeah, they're look, be like that forever. Steve looks Sar- like Dylan Gabriel to Oregon, give or take. Steve Sarkeesian's quite possibly the best offensive mastermind in college football. They're right going to be now. coming off a playoff berth, man. Yeah, they're you they're, want to mess with that? I, I don't. I think I'd rather play Oklahoma and have them at home. And even with no Oklahoma, question. I don't want to go to Norman. I'm good. The, the only thing that I don't like about the schedule of who we have at home is three of those teams are. I'm going to go ahead and put down his W's. You, I w- those are the years you'd want to play them on the road. You'd want to play Vanderbilt. You'd rather Vandy, A&M in transition with a new coach in Arkansas in disarray. Go, can, can we just go play at their stadium next year? Just do it again. Just say, yeah. hey, we'll, we'll gladly come to Fayetteville, man. We'll take another home game instead. Right. I mean, we were two <laughs> of three on the road this year against those teams and really played A&M uh, top-notch until later in the game. If we'd have just had a little bit of offense production, that might have been a different story. We'll talk more about that on the show tomorrow. Come back, we'll give our final predictions for the basketball game tonight as Auburn taking on UNC Asheville. We'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Got a minute or so. We got to get out of here quickly, Uncle T-Bone. Prediction quickly, Auburn UNC Asheville tonight. You can catch the game broadcast over here locally on Wings 94.3. Yeah, I think that we've... uh oversold UNC Asheville a little bit this week to be honest with you uh I don't feel like there will be any kind of letdown going into this game I believe that Bruce and the coaching staff and the players 
found their uh, stride last week. They know their potential. They want to build on that. I'm looking over UNC's schedule and any good team they've played. Just master blasted them. I've got the Tigers 85, UN, UN Asheville 60. Yeah, this game up in Huntsville tonight. Tickets going for a pretty price, and it seems to be just about sold out. There will be a lot of Auburn fans in a little bit of a smaller arena, but not too bad by any means. I got Auburn big. They're favored by 19 and a half. If you're into that sort of thing, I'd take Auburn in this game. I got them winning big, 20 to 25 points. Um, I think Auburn could hang 150 if they really wanted to. I'm looking for preparation and execution tonight. That's what I'm looking for. We'll talk about that tomorrow with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network and Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us tomorrow as well. Then Uncle T-Bone will be back with us here on Friday. Go find the podcast if you missed any of it. Jordan Hill was with us in hour number one talking all things Georgia. We talked a lot of basketball today too. But until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7, he's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.